Welcome to episode 13 of the Thereafter podcast. Your host, Cortland Coffey here, along with my co-host, Josh Annemeyer. Say hello. Lucky number 13. 13. And, we didn't skip uh, this one. We didn't go 12 to 14. Nope, nope. I think that's ridiculous. I, I cannot <laughs> believe we're still doing that in buildings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, nothing against you if you got some... Uh, beliefs about that uh that's you're totally welcome to it but i think it's kind of crazy uh just put a floor 13 anyway uh this is a great it's a great great episode for us to be talking about superstition uh <laughs> at the top uh we got a incredible guest uh today uh from instagram heretical theology on instagram will thorpe uh who was a lot of fun to talk to and uh little teaser josh talks on this episode <laughs> i did i did i did josh talk. said things it was great uh i said some stuff um prompted oh well, it's i just want to i you know we said this at the very very first episode is that Cortland and i we're just a couple of normal dudes you know we don't normal dudes we don't carry uh you know advanced degrees in this stuff so when we talk about things, we, we do the best we can <laughs> in the spur of the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that disclaimer should be at the at the top of any episode. It was like these guys don't really know what they're talking about. Many of their guests do. Uh but uh fair warning, do your research, form your own opinions. Uh, yeah, it was good, man. It was great. I like Will. Will's is um he said he is genuine and i think um i think he is like uh, you know just tired of all the crap <laughs> and he's very vocal about it and that's it's it's so good yeah I, I like I like Will's content because it, it has a position, you know, like he really is like trying to arrive at at, you know, positions and give people good, solid information. Um, but it's also super in my in my perspective, it's super humble. It comes from a place of like, this is what I've learned so far. And I'm continuing to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that that's the thing. I mean, I got on a clubhouse with him. uh a couple days after we did this interview and was asking him about, uh, you know, how, how, how he has conversations with, you know, cause I see him have conversations with people from lots of different angles and lots of different perspective. And, you know, his, his answer was just ask questions. You know, you don't always have to be saying something. You can just ask, Oh, what, what makes you think that? And, you know, well, what makes you think that, you know, well, what, what, what do you think about this? You know, and if we, I think if we all adopted more of a position like that, um, we could have more productive conversations, you know? Yes. Yeah, uh, we certainly can. And we don't have to, here's when you go into that mindset of, uh, you don't have to agree by the end of this thing, then you're having a conversation and you're not having a debate. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's great. We'll save the debates for the universities and uh, we'll keep our podcast conversational. So 
Uh, let's go ahead and, and get into it. Uh, episode 13, Will Thorpe, Heretical Theology uh, on Instagram. Uh, we're gonna, you're going to get to know him a little bit during this episode, but definitely, you know, if you're in a place while you're listening, you can go follow. Uh, his content is is super interesting. Uh, you, he does a lot of text, uh, like slideshow uh, type of deals on Instagram with just a bunch of information. And he's pretty good about citing sources and resources. So um, yeah, go follow him on Instagram and hope you enjoy this interview. And we'll be back to wrap up the show after uh, after we talk to Will. Welcome to another episode of Thereafter. This is your host, Cortland Coffey, along with my co-host, Josh Annemeyer. Hey. And uh, today uh, we have the privilege of being joined by our guest, Will Thorpe, of the Instagram account, Heretical Theology. Will, thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks so much. Looking forward to this chat. Yeah, we're really excited uh, to have you on the show today, and uh, I'm excited uh you know, we've we've had people from different uh, ends of faith spectrum, uh, but you know, as the the as it shakes down with Josh being our resident believer, holding on, uh, <laughs> me being our resident atheist, it's nice to have another another person on my side of the the, the team. <laughs> Not that we're oppositional at all. Uh, we'll see if we can make it three for three here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so. Uh, want to just kind of jump right in uh, and get a little bit of background on you uh, for folks who maybe you know haven't uh, followed your Instagram account or seen you on other platforms. Uh, you know, kind of telling some of your story. Uh, this you know podcast started as you know a way for us to have conversations about faith transition, faith change, and the kind of the fear and and kind of unknown that goes with a lot of that uh for folks uh definitely was the case for both Josh and I uh and you know from hearing a little bit of your story I could relate a ton and and I know it's probably a really long and uh, nuanced story um but whatever extent you're comfortable kind of sharing a little of your background uh in terms of faith uh, and what's led you to the work you're doing uh, with heretical theology? Yeah, um, I mean, also that's uh, could could take several hours to unpack that. But long We've story got short, all day, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember I remember uh, being five years old in in my rural country town in a small town called Verona, Ohio. Like there wasn't even a stoplight. Like it was just country town. And there, there's a country church and my mom, mother decided to take me to this church. And I got to spend Sunday school, you know, with all these young kids. I got to learn this thing called the Bible. Like, what is this? This was fantastic. And I don't know. It was just a lot of fun. And, you know, I was an extroverted kid who never had any friends. And so I wanted to go back, you know, and um, not a lot of people know about that part. Because I, 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 when I share this story, I never really talk about the Methodist church very much. And I was there for basically, I could guess, from when I was five and basically until I was about 16 years old. And there's some overlap there between that Methodist church and when I was going to what I now call my cult church. Um, but uh, yeah, so raising this uh, stained glass window, pew, uh, wooden pews, no AC uh, at all. 
uh, Sunday school downstairs in the basement with this so one of the nicest you know Sunday school teacher ladies ladies you can ever uh, ever imagine. You know she definitely loved us and uh, yeah it was it was it was some good times as a kid. Um, <clears throat> as uh, my my faith would grow, I'd become more and more curious about you know the Bible and um, so in middle school there was this church that was in one of the lecture halls and. You know they had a lot of hot girls, <laughs> and so I'm like, "Hey, I want to check this out." <laughs> and um, and they're they're talking about the Bible, and I'm saying things that I'd never heard before being taught from these you know little 15 minute fluffy sermons, as uh, the pastor would later call them. And they're studying Revelation and Daniel and end times, and heck yeah, I want I want to learn about this stuff. And I, I was I was hooked. And they had a really great youth group, and so my mom. And dad wanted me to start going to this church uh, in lieu of also going to the Methodist church. And then by the time I could start driving, I was going to the cult church the entire time. And um, fast forward 10 years, more than that, a little more. Uh, my wife wasn't, I met my wife. She wasn't really liking the church very much. Um, trying to think here so, so this is the same the same yeah. church that you reference and i've probably heard you reference in you know your story on you know other platforms you know as the cult church the church that you ended up getting into ministry at is the same church that you got involved in at 16 17 yeah, years old so i was i never actually did ministry at that church um like i was always doing things like everyone did something like, there's only 100 people there at this church and so we were all doing something um, we were, we were, we were serving, you know, there, I want to dare call myself uh, a minister there. Cause there was only three pastors okay. for a hundred people. To it. So at three pastors, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, so we moved to Florida, uh, because God called us to this church down here in Florida. And then that was a mega church. And the thing that was interesting was because, um, 10,000 people over three campuses and they're actually speaking truth. Like what? This wasn't possible. I did not not because I've been told my whole life essentially that you know, mega churches they just have people's ears get tickled, <laughs> and uh-huh. um, yeah. So you're you're probably familiar with that. And yeah. uh, it was oh, fascinating. Absolutely. I definitely believe I heard God's voice tell me, "Hey, we need to pack our bags and quit our jobs and move on down here to Florida to start serving at this church." And that's exactly what we did. I had a photography business that so I quit. My wife was teaching part time at two different colleges. She quit both of those, and uh, we did not have jobs lined up when we moved down to Florida. And uh, I ended up getting jobs, obviously. Uh, yeah. she, it took her a little bit longer to, to find one, but God provided, as, yeah. as we said. <laughs> and, uh, yes, just started having a lot more questions about different things. Um, so I kind of deconstructed my fundamental fundamentalism at this mega megachurch, um, learned how to love people, and then just had a lot more questions, read some more books, learned the history about the Bible. And that's kind of all downhill from there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the beginning <laughs> of the end of the story. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, Will's service to the, the Lord's army. Yeah. So basically <laughs> in 2019, I had already been reading the Bible every single day for over three years. And then 2019, I started documenting like my actual uh, Bible devotions um, pretty much every day. And, and that was also the same year I lost my faith and then became an atheist. So it's kind of cool my, with my Facebook memories. You can literally see Will's deconstruction day by day go on. It's, it's kind of amazing to see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can relate to that a ton. Uh, you know, it's it's in the age of social media, you're reminded uh, regularly of things that you said that you're like, "Ooh, man, I wouldn't like myself <laughs> to be honest." <laughs> if I was saying stuff like that uh, today, uh, so so for you, when you talk about moving down to Florida to be a part of this church, I mean, you weren't taking a staff position uh, or a paid job, like what? To 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 me, I kind I kind of get it. I kind of understand. I mean, I never got paid, uh, and I was in full time ministry for ten years. <laughs> uh, but you know, for some people, they may go, "Well, like that's crazy." Like, what 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 was it that was like? Yeah, we want to we want to move down here and be a part of this church, and this is going to be the the predominant thing that decides our life. Well, faith was involved in every single decision that we made. Uh, my wife wanted to be down to Florida. Uh, she, again, she was looking for a new church and I had to make it, I made it very clear to her that we are not considering uh, moving to this church at all. Cause my brother actually attended this church and that's why we're down there visiting my brother and he invited us. And, and that's how we got to that church in the first place. And so I, I made it very clear to her, like, we're just here to visit. That's it. We have a, we have a church and we fully believe like you had to have a church that you were serving in or else you're some sort of evil rebel Christian doing their own thing. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get there. So we, we, we start listening to the sermon and I, and I had already like listened to a couple sermons beforehand to like kind of figure out where they're at. Cause they do verse by verse. It's like a church is supposed to, well, the head pastor was gone. It was Mother's Day weekend. And so another pastor was preaching and they're, they're basically having an off Sunday, like just having a sermon for, for guests to come in. And so I already concluded, like, they're not going to answer any of the questions I would have to have answered. And there was like, you know, a dozen questions I would have to know before I even would ask if this is a church I could start going to. Um, and I wasn't going to ask those questions because we had a church up in Ohio. Well, as as it would have it, since it was an off Sunday for them for Mother's Day, this pastor started just rambling off all these different like doctrinal issues that had nothing to do with the sermon. And it was almost, like, it was just completely random. And there were questions, specific questions I had about the church. I'm like, hmm, this is getting interesting really quick. Like what's going on here? And then I started praying. <clears throat> I'm like, guys, this, what, what, what's literally what's going on here? Cause it was kind of freaking me out a little bit. He's like, shut up and listen. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> So I start, I keep on listening and literally like every single question I would have was getting addressed through the sermon. And I, I was really getting freaked out. And my church in Ohio had just gone through a church split a couple of years back and they still have like PTSD from it. It's ridiculous. There's not a Sunday that goes by where my cult church in Ohio can't reference the split that happened. And anyone who's ever left the church was essentially excommunicated. And I don't want that to happen. And so I was scared. I'm like, God, I, I'm scared. And he's like, who? So I, it's not like an audible voice, but I just hear this voice in my head. And he's like, who are you more afraid of me or them? I literally threw up my hands in this sermon and then it wasn't even worship or anything. I just, it had to look really weird. And I'm like, fine. I'll, I, I get it. I'll where I, I get what you're trying to tell us. And uh, I even uh, put, put a note in my, in my phone and showed it to my wife. Like, I think God's calling us to move to Florida and she just smiled and just kept on listening to the sermon. And then after that sermon, we went ahead and talked to another pastor and he was like, okay, what do you think? Looking at my wife, which was awesome. And she's like, yeah, I I'm, I'm all for it. 
And he's like, okay. And then six months later, like we, like, so we, we, we quit everything and moved on down and we knew God would, would provide for us. Like, because one, we live in America and it's, <laughs> we're capable human beings. Like it's not very difficult to find a job. <laughs> and, uh, so I don't know if I actually answered that, that, that question or not, but it was, it was definitely weird. But again, when you literally live your life to serve God and whatever he says, you do it. And I could not say no to this because this is to me a clear sign from God and it could not have been coincidental. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that does answer the question, you know, to the extent of like, you know, this is obviously this, this relationship that you have with God, this faith that you have is, you know, unlike I think some people who just, you know, have church that they go to that is the weekend thing it's you know takes up time before football whatever it is you know there is this group and i was a part of it for a long time where church is life you know Mm -hmm. church is you know everything being a part of the church and being uh in service in the church even if you're not being paid or on staff is your higher calling than your job than even your family in, in some sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I definitely can relate to that. What was it for you that, I mean, it seems like that move to that church, you, you reference kind of as somewhat of the beginning or when you were in the beginning of deconstructing or, you know, reassessing your, your beliefs coming out of this more cult church that you talk about. What did that process look like in terms of how did it start and right. kind of take us through, you know, I don't know, Josh, do you have an addendum to that question? Yeah, I think that there, I'm, I'm curious to know if it was a gradual thing There's, or, or there was a moment um, that was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, and then, so, and then you made a decision to, you know, really try to dive into these subjects and, and learn. So um, that's, that's what I'm curious about too, Court. Yeah, um, no, those, those are great questions, and and in hindsight, I, I view my deconstruction in two stages. One is deconstructing the evangelical fundamentalism, and that went away. That happened uh, when I started going to the megachurch here in Florida, and so it's still a very evangelical church. Like, don't don't get me wrong. Like, they they even have it's, it's horrible some of the things that they teach. For as far as churches go, they do a lot of great things. Um, that's one of the benefits of having a big church is you have a lot of resources. Um, but they still use those resources for some horrendous things like conversion therapy. Um, not, not directly. It's off the books, but I, I do know that they send gays to these groups to become straight because no gays go to hell. Yeah. Well, and that's so. totally possible. I mean, there's great evidence to show that, you know, people are turning straight left and right. <laughs> but um, like I, I, I was in almost every single ministry that, you know, uh, a white guy could be in because <laughs> they had all sorts of cultural different, uh, different ministries too, women's ministries. So I also wasn't involved in them, but like I was a lot involved in a lot of discipleship ministries there. And um, then I eventually got plugged into a celebrate recovery group um, because one of what my, my Christian struggle uh, was was pornography just imagine that like every single guy <laughs> probably not has, no has that issue no way <laughs> imagine that <laughs> me too and and um well i i had i had conquered 
pornography. Oh, so they, they never, wanted me. They wanted yeah. me in, as a leader. <laughs> I never got there. I never got there. I've conquered it now. I've you know, <laughs> in a different well, way. I'm glad we could joke about that now. That's great. <laughs> um, and so uh, being in sober recovery w- was was pretty cool. Just dealing with people one on one because you're dealing with alcoholics, drug drug addicts. Like people would. Like I, th- I think in the year and a half I was there, we had about four or five people actually actually die from addiction, and so that was that was upsetting, obviously, and it's very real. Um, but the thing that that happened to me was uh, I had already started getting rid of fundamentalist ideas, and then I got rid of the evangelical ideas. Um, essentially, when Trump was nominee in twenty sixteen, I had realized that the church by and large <clears throat> within the evangel- evangelical community was not what I thought it was. And the, I could not, I, I, I cannot fully support a church that supported a person like him because he just wasn't like Christ for a slew of reasons, as we know. And we already know all the evangelical arguments for why they support Trump. So I don't need to get into it. Um, so that, that told me that there was a, there was a separation between me and what I believed. And so I was now the, the liberal progressive Christian and I was cool with that. You know, I, I still believe that Jesus was God and, you know, the Bible was, I think I still believe the Bible was inerrant, if not infallible. Um, so there, there was that. <clears throat> um, but the big thing that happened was my mission trip to Peru. And that was also in 2017, I think. And what happened was my wife has separation anxiety from when I was in Iraq and she trusted God to help her through this. And so she was very proactive. She got uh, ladies to stay with her overnight while I was gone. Uh, just, just doing everything that she can possibly. And also trusting in God that while I'm gone for these two weeks, that she will be okay. Uh, it was not okay. Um, I had to call her every single night. I, I think more than half of the one minute she had lined up to stay with her uh, fell through. Uh, she tried praying. She tried reading. She felt abandoned. She felt God abandoned her. And so for her, it was a very uh, acute issue. And she was never the same after that. Um, you know, she went to biblical counseling, which was kind of worthless because it's basically just an older lady uh, who tries to encourage ladies and my wife, like me, knows the Bible more than most people uh, do because of our fundamentalist backgrounds. Um, I would say most people at our fundamentalist cult church, uh, most of those people know the Bible better than most pastors just because of how, how ingrained it was into us. Um, so she's basically asking all these questions, and you know, this poor Bible counseling lady can't answer them. So then she started going to sober recovery, so I was going there with her too because, um, you know, she probably, she actually needed a real therapist and let's, let's be honest. That's what she yeah. needed. Um, but a couple of years into it, uh, beginning of 2018, no, she was like, I don't think I believe in God anymore. And I, I, I started noticing changes with her. She didn't want to go to church anymore. She stopped singing during worship. And that was one of the things as a husband, like that was one of the things I loved the most was hearing my wife singing during worship. And we had yeah. a lot of tough conversations and that was difficult. And so I had my own questions as well. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to be that husband that is married to an unbelieving wife, I guess. That's going to be the reality. And I'm going to keep on pushing through this and support and love my wife. Um, 
I had my own questions that I was dealing with. And I think um, seeing, seeing how my wife handled this, I feel like I needed to have answers um, so that when she would come back to the faith, that I could have those responses for her. Um, I don't know if that's how I actually articulated it in my head at that time, but looking back on it, I think that's what it is or what yeah. it was. And so I started learning more about the Bible history of the Bible and, you know, these, the, 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 the more pressing questions that, that, that people like to have about the Bible and there's, there's a slew of them. So I don't want to yeah. take up too much time going over those. <laughs> I love, I mean, I love, you know, feel free to get as nitty gritty as you want. Uh, cause I love, I love the nitty gritty, uh, <laughs> that you get into with, you know, your, you know, uh, posts, on Instagram and, and the content I've seen you create, you know, that's talking about, you know, some of the very academic uh, critiques of the Bible and, and of, you know, Christian tradition. Uh, I, I'm curious, you know, for, for you. So I was listening yesterday to an episode of, I don't know. Do you know Micah J. Murray? Have you gotten connected with him? Okay. So. Uh, you guys should connect. He's awesome. Uh, it, you guys would just, talk for days uh i want to hear that episode uh at some point but i was listening to he had an episode of his podcast uh where he was talking to this southern baptist youth pastor and it was fascinating and just totally infuriating <laughs> because the the logic was just so circular right it was like i believe the bible because the bible says it's true and it's true because I know it's true because God said it because God is the Bible Bible. You know, it's just like, it just had this like kind of like circular reason. Right. Um, I feel like I had that. I don't know if you can relate to that type of circular reasoning. Um, but I'm curious if there was a, a point in time where you're like, okay, I'm going to allow myself to take in information kind of outside of this feedback loop. And if there was that point, what was that for you? I think, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, um, so I was working for a corporation that analyzed, I, I swear there's a point to this and it will answer your question, even though it's not, doesn't seem like it right, right go, away. Go for it. Rabbit trail. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> so I was a geospatial technician was cause I'm not a pleasure anymore. Uh, but, um, <clears throat> For, for, for a corporation that was analyzing satellite imagery. And I was also still a young earth creationist. Okay. So I was still a young earth creationist when, when I moved down to Florida and I had only worked for small businesses or for myself when I was up in Ohio. Okay. And I'm, I'm with these, these engineers and these, and these, you know, basically very smart people, but very cool people, very normal people. And in, in this very large office and I'm, I'm starting to realize I, I'm not normal. <laughs> like this is, there's some, there's some odd things here. And, and then I, I kind of mentioned to somebody that, or someone was talking about, because, because I, I, I analyzed satellite imagery, they were making fun of flat earthers. And I was, I, I made a comment like, Oh yeah, flat earthers. They're, they're ridiculous. I, I can't believe them. <laughs> and then someone says, don't you believe the earth is 6,000 years old? I'm like, Oh, um, I guess I did say that out loud at one point in time while I was in the office and <laughs> that's awkward. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, I don't remember how I responded to it. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm probably just like walked away or something. And 
so that was so that was interesting that that was like a, a big like just connection with reality that i'm i'm a little bit different than, than everyone else as much as i try to be and i still am a lot different than other people but i don't care anymore <laughs> yeah me too um and so they all listened to joe rogan at least all the dudes did okay and i'd never heard joe rogan before i'm like so who 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 we all listen to so it's great we can listen to youtube while we're working and and man that was awesome like like this guy's batshit crazy but but he's he's fucking badass like i love this guy he has some amazing guests and this is great like i love that guy i was soaking it all in and then he had sam harris on i'm like oh great a neurologist let's 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 talk about this this is cool then i found out he's an atheist i'm like yeah well he's going to hell that sucks well at least he says a lot of cool things okay yeah and then so I'm like, well, I want to learn more about the Sam Harris guy because he says a lot of really cool things and I, I'm fascinated with this. And then he has a gentleman named Bart Ehrman on. And this this guy, because I'm scrolling through his podcast, like this is a Bible scholar. Okay, I want to listen to this. An atheist talking to a Bible scholar? Fantastic. Sam Harris is going to get some Jesus. Wrong. <laughs> totally wrong. And I'm listening to, to Bart. For those who don't know, Bart's an atheist. And... um that that whole episode, I not that I want to pull people away from listening to this conversation. Yeah, but no, stop that, this podcast. I'm gonna if I could stop this podcast right now, I would stop it. And go listen to that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. So Sam Harris interviews Bart Ehrman. Um, I want to say I, I can't remember what episode it was, but if you Google it, it's 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 on YouTube and it's in this podcast. Fucking phenomenal podcast, and that introduced me to a world of Bible scholarship that. I was completely oblivious to. I studied the Bible for two decades. I'd never even heard of the word textual criticism before. It just showed me how ignorant that I actually was about all these things. I'm like, oh, good Lord, what's happening to me? And Bart shared a story. I think it was on, on Harris's podcast where his, he's writing a paper and while, he, while he's in college, 30-page paper explaining some sort of, you know, issue with the Bible. It doesn't really matter which story it is. And the professor's like, A plus, this is great. But is it possible that the author was, the author was Mark? He, he writes on, on Bart's note, makes a note on Bart's paper. Is it possible that Mark was wrong? And, and then because I'm listening to this person talk, these two people talk, like my walls are down. And there's just something that was able to like wiggle itself into my mind. And that question just like, started a, 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 a reaction. Is it possible that Mark was wrong? Is that, is that a thing? Like, is there stuff that's in the Bible that's actually incorrect? And I, I, I freaked out again. And so I, I paused. I didn't even finish the podcast. I paused it. And I, I learned the term textual criticism. And so like any good Christian, I went and Googled Christian textual critics. <laughs> I had to hear the Christian perspective of this. And I, I met, I found out about the guy named Dr. Daniel Wallace. He was going to be my, my knight in shining armor. He was going to save me from all this nonsense and tell me that the Bible was perfect God's word. And he straight up says after like a 30, 40 minute intro in his most popular lecture, the, the Bible is not the mind of God. And that, that just rocked my world to hear a Christian expert say that. And because so much of my faith was grounded on the Bible, it was my, my world was completely shook. Um, that wasn't the cause of, of my ultimate downfall of Christianity, but that was 
the foundation was ripped from under me. It was, it was, it was ugly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can relate so much to that in, in terms of, I remember sitting for me, it was Peter ends, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I sitting in the tattered cover in Denver, uh, I, you know, had been in a, just like a really depressed state, uh, going through just incredible amounts of religious trauma. And I grabbed this. So the Bible tells me so book and sat in tattered cover for like, I don't know, six hours and read the entire thing cover mm-hmm. to cover. And he talked about this decision that he had to make when he was kind of, you know, I think maybe coming out of Moody because I think he was at Moody first and then went from there to, you know, his other education from there. And, and he was like, I had to make a decision. Like, am I going to be honest or I'm going to be, or am I going to be faithful? And I could just relate so much to that. Like I had equated that dichotomy, like to be faithful to God was to not be honest with myself and just kind of repress and push down this doubt that I had. And it was a, it was a switch that flipped. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. And, and it was, it, it took me, it took me some time to try to rationalize faith that wasn't completely dependent upon the Bible. Um, you know, I, I tell people this a lot of times, like during my deconstruction that did also lead me to atheism. Like my faith was, was strongest probably like three months before I became an atheist. Uh, and that was because I was relying solely on faith, if that makes sense. Like, I don't I even call it faith in faith. It was like just faith that Jesus was who he said he was. And I, don't, I didn't need a Bible to tell me that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can relate to that as well. I mean, there, there is something that happens when you start to strip away the justification and, and experience faith, whatever it is, um, without, you know, all of this justification that's just been kind of like bred into you, <laughs> you know, just pushed and shoved into you. Um, as you talk about the, you know, that moment with that Bart Ehrman, uh, interview the several months leading up to ultimate atheism, you said, you know, this wasn't the ultimate downfall. What, what was that? What did that end up being? I think I'd come up with a different idea or an additional idea every single day. Um, there, there's so many different things that, that just piled on top of each other. Like, um, the LGBT, LGBTQ community, like just how we treated them and, you know, we became Disney pass holders and my wife met, uh, she likes to do a lot of her uh, vintage dress ups and makes her own clothes. And within that community, you know, there, there's a lot of homosexual and transgender people within that community. And there's some of the nicest people we've ever met in our lives. And they just, just that alone, like actually having conversations and meaningful relationships with people within that community and trying to justify like, okay, they're going to hell. My, my Trump supporter asshole friend over here is going to heaven. Got it. Okay. Uh-huh. That, that makes perfect sense. Um, did you, so did there, you have a point yeah. in time where you let go of the idea of hell before you let go of the idea of God or were those simultaneous? Yeah. So I definitely, uh, so the old Testament went first. Um, I, I, there is a, I'm going to give a plug. There is a, uh, so Yale has open courses and I, I think a lot of universities have like free courses you can take, um, like online. So Yale has two courses, one old Testament and one new Testament. 
they are literally just recordings from inside the classroom from back in like in 2006, I think. And they are phenomenal. Like it is exactly what someone back in 2006 would have paid for, for a Yale university course. And it's, it was, it was amazing. So it's like 20 plus episodes and they're each 45 minutes long. And so there's one for the Old Testament and there's one for the New Testament. If you want a literally a college level breakdown of the Bible historically, go watch those. It will take time. If you can sit through a 45 minute sermon on a Sunday, you can sit through these once a week and, and be done in, in less than a year. Like I highly recommend them. That taught me how much of the Old Testament was bullshit. And I was already having issues with it, obviously, because of the moral issues. And so I, I dismissed that. And I learned during the New Testament studies and, and through Bart Ehrman that there was more than just one type of, of Christian church. Like pastors like to talk about the early church as if there was only one church or like one ideal church that was all throughout the the, you know, the, the area. But that also was bullshit. There was a dozen different sects of Christianity leading up to the, the end of the first century. And there was one that won out. And that was what we call the proto-Orthodox Church. And they were the ones who went and silenced all the heretics and chose the Bible that we have today. Uh, more or less, that's not, it's obviously far more complicated than that, but that's what happened over a few centuries. And then uh, I, I did dismiss the idea of hell um, just because, let's face it, there's no Old Testament, there's no original sin. And if you're looking at what Jesus actually said about hell, it's not anything like a modern day evangelical version of it. If anything, it is annihilation uh, or what we call non-eternal uh, consciousness torment. It's just where phew, your light's out. It's done, over with. And that's no different than what an atheist believes. When you, when you die, you're dead. That's it. Um, so I, I, I dismissed the idea of hell. And for about two months, it was just, just me and Jesus. And we had some hard conversations. Yeah, <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to kind of like address a little bit, you know, a question for you, uh, and Josh, you feel free to hop in here. Josh is, you know, mm-hmm. our strong silent type here on the podcast. <laughs> I love to <laughs> <But> listen. <laughs> he loves to listen, which makes him a, an awesome co-host, uh, cause I can just talk, but <laughs> Josh is, Josh is, uh, very into Judaism, very messianic you know, leading, um, in terms of how he practices his faith and spirituality. Now, um, when you talk about the old Testament and, you know, I've heard, uh, a lot of, you know, Jewish thinkers and theologians talk about the old Testament in a, in a very different way than Christians read the old Testament. And so when you, when you say these things, you know, and you don't have to expound on specific details, but like, Oh, the old Testament is bullshit. What was that? Was that like, we can't read the old Testament the way in which we read the old Testament as Christians, or it literally is, you know, from your perspective, you know, fallacy, uh, or it is fantasy. I don't, I, I'm curious what, what your take on that is, uh, maybe a little bit more specifically. And the answer and, is yes. Okay, yeah. All of <laughs> it's, it. It's both. It's, it's, right. it's, it literally is both. Um, like Moses didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Okay. This, so there's, there, there's no, no evidence for a, an actual Moses when we definitely should see evidence for a Moses. Um, so that, that, that brings a lot of things into question. <clears throat> While there were some writings that uh, are probably um, saved from when the, all the, the Old Testament was being compiled, not, not the Old Testament we had now, but the, uh, the Pentateuch. And, and uh, so 
it goes back to the exile. Okay. So, uh, cool, cool little facts. Uh, pre-exile, they were the Israelites. Post-exile, they're called the Jews because they got, they were moved to Judah. All right. So they were called the Jews. And so when the Persians gave them back their land that they, uh, that was taken over by the Babylonians, Israel slash Judah had to come up with a, a historical background. And, and I'm, I'm butchering this. Uh, please go check out the old, te- the old Testament, uh, Yale yeah. courses, but I'm, yeah. I'm giving you the, the, the stupid American understanding version of it. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's what this and, podcast uh, is for. Yeah, exactly. And they had to come up with their own history. And like, hey, this, we are a nation. Here is our nation's history. So that's why you got things like the Kings and the Chronicles. Uh, and this is our, essentially our mythology. This is what we believed. Like, so just how uh, the Sumerians had their own viewpoints, just how the Babylonians, they all had their own different mythologies. And they believed different things. The, the Israelites borrowed heavily from, or the Jews borrowed heavily from those beliefs. Some of them were their own original beliefs. Uh, so, but you know, Israel essentially did not come from Egypt. Like they, they came from the Canaanites. Um, so basically the Israelites became a, a sect of the Canaanites because they worshiped the God El. You know, and that's where we get the term El Elyon, El Adonai. All those, all those L's in Hebrew come from the Canaanite God El. So hopefully that all makes sense. And um, so the people who are... Uh, leaving the exile who's trying to come up with their own mythology. This is why you have all these different types of, of documents. Like you got the, the D source, you got the P source. Um, you have a couple other sources that they talk about in, in this, in this, uh, in this course. And this is why I usually try to Google these things before I actually post stuff. Cause make sure I'm not full of shit. Yeah, so yeah, please, yeah. please, uh, please go fact check me on these things. Umbrella of mercy. Say, say yeah, whatever. Fantastic. Everyone <laughs> fantastic. has Google. They can fact check. <laughs> um, and so there, there is some overlap. I'm not saying it was all made up during the exile because they clearly had some history. Um, but just like how the, you know, the winners of history write the, write the history books, it was very similar. Um, the, the exile Jews who were coming back to their land wanted to have a very nice, well-written, understandable text of where their culture came from. And you know, a lot was very heavily borrowed from the Sumerians. Um, and another, and, and also the um, uh, from Zoroastrianism because that's where we started getting dualism as well. And, and we see their their culture change from basically when the Persians gave them their land back uh, to when the Greeks came in, and then also again when the Romans came in. And that's when you start getting into apocalypticism. And the Jews are basically getting tired of being occupied. Like this is our lands, you know, Babylonians own us. Uh, Persians owned us, the Greeks owned us, now the Romans own, own us. And and I'm, I'm on the record for saying you cannot understand the New Testament if you don't understand the Second Temple of Judaism, and, and which I, 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 don't, I don't know if your co-host understands it or not. It's a very yeah, complex issue. Um, but uh, if you don't understand the Second Temple of Judaism, then I guarantee you, you do not understand the New Testament. You may think you do, but you don't. Um, and that's just to any person out there who thinks they understand the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, one of my questions uh, that comes up in my mind as I hear you talk about that is, you know, you hear a lot of progressive, you know, and I actually reached out to you originally um, because I think you had made a story post or something about how, you know, uh, there, you know, 
there's all these, you know, deconstruction kind of progressive Christian, uh, pro- progressive, uh, maybe <laughs> Christian podcasts, you know, that kind of like are, are wanting to talk about skepticism, but aren't really willing to talk to somebody who is like, this is bullshit. I don't believe in it. You know, uh, they want to kind of skirt the issue of, of, uh, just kind of having this kind of skeptical faith that still adheres to some sort of Christian tradition, uh, What's your perspective on, you know, I identify as an atheist, however, I still feel like there is some type of mythic value to these stories in the same way that we have mythic value to any story. And I feel like sometimes there's a false dichotomy, false paradigm, I don't know what the right word is there, that says basically something is either fact or bullshit, and the reality is when we're talking about history and story and human, you know, understanding, there's this kind of like vast, in my opinion, vast spectrum of myth and belief and practice and tradition that kind of exists in between. What's your view of that, that kind of dichotomy? Right. And I, I'm on the rec- I'm also on the record for, you know, blocking atheists on my page for essentially being atheist fundamentalists who who are not willing to do exactly what you just said to to see these to see the text for what they are, you know I was I was I was there I was at angsty atheists like I I dismissed when I, when I was going through my de- deconstruction I literally just said in this own podcast like I dismissed the Old Testament as complete bullshit yeah uh, that was because I still had that very factual black and white mind and if if we're trying to find what truth is you know, or, or, or find any sort of like historical reliability. Yeah. I'm not going to go to the Bible for that. If, if that's, if that's your criteria, then, then, then fantastic. We, we can grab a couple things and say, yeah, there's some historical value here by and large. There isn't. Okay. But there is some, and I think atheists will have a much better time uh, talking to Christians if they have a academic perspective of what the Bible is and what the Bible is not. Um, however, if you, so like, like, for example, I did a Bible study with, with another Christian just this morning. I'm down 10 followers. Okay. I've actually more and more than that because I, I actually gained some followers. And so it's like, you see if someone opening a Bible <laughs> and it's just like, I, I can't guarantee you that's why they, they left, but yeah. I'm just going to guess like here is a supposed atheist reading the Bible, reading Bible verses on, on a live stream. Okay. They, they don't have to follow me, but there's that knee jerk reaction that people have like, Oh, he's not really an atheist. He's still talking about the Bible or whatever. No, (laughs) you lost some cred. Yeah. So it it is what it is. It's like, but when when it comes to like progressive Christians, I, I, I I can respect them wanting to maintain their faith. And, and I've gone through my AC atheist phase to where now I am trying to work with the church to become less harmful. Okay. Um, so I went through my, my angsty Christian phase during my deconstruction that turned into an angsty atheist phase. And now I'm just like, okay, let's all just chill the fuck out. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's read the Bible for what it is, understand what it is not. And let's see if we can find some middle ground here that will actually benefit humanity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, what do you, what do you, what are you thinking? I see you, I see your wheels turning. I'm going to start making you talk more in these episodes. um well i am thinking like i do believe that people do need to study and do need to figure out like what the bible is and what the bible is not i think that they need to understand genre 
and ri- like liter- literature genre of the books mm-hmm. of the Bible. They need to understand modern scholarship when it comes to authors, right? You know, when you're a fundamentalist Christian, you're told, oh, this person wrote this book. But now we know that, for, for example, um, there are many authors for the book of Isaiah, you know, not just one. So I think that it's really good to, to be able to put, we need to be able to put the humanity back in the Bible and sort of respect that and respect the culture um, surrounding, surrounding it. I think we need to respect the, um, you know, conclusion that not everything is in there. And, uh, you know, in, in, in Judaism, we, they have the Mishnah and the Talmud, you know, to, which is volumes and volumes and volumes of commentary and, uh, conclusions and questions and, uh, debates about what's in the scripture, you know? So you could have, you could read the Bible and say, if you're like sola scriptura, which means, you know, that's all you need. Um, and you could read things in the Old Testament that says, you know, um, you can only eat this type of animal if it's prop, if it's like killed the, the right way, the proper way. Well, how do you know how to do that? The instructions are not there, right? It's the, it's in what's the oral tradition that has all that information. So I do think that like, we must come at these, these topics with an open mind and with the mystery surrounding them. And I think things can be both like things can be complicated and like true and wrong at the same time. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's an interesting, <laughs> very, very Pete Rollins of you. Gosh. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, there was no question there, which is, which is awesome. I just love getting Josh's take. Uh, I, I, I have a question, you know, for, for you will uh, about, you know, how do you engage in conversation? I feel like you do a really good job of engaging in conversation with people from different belief, uh, uh, landing areas, uh, perspectives. How would you encourage people who are deconstructing, deconverting, or going through some type of faith change as they're engaging in conversation with friends, family members, old church, uh, you know, members, uh, what's your, what's your advice for how we have these conversations and we make them productive and not divisive and, and, you know, kind of destructive. Yeah. I mean, ask questions, um, ask them questions. It's, um, also, it can be sensitive and specific to each different circumstance. But I mean, definitely got to get yourself educated. Um, I'm not saying that you're going to convince your family members of to believe like you believe. Um, my, I was fortunate enough because I was a fund of the family. Okay, like my parents didn't go to the call church. Uh, my brother goes to the evangelical mega church. Um, still. But like, I was the one who was, who had the knowledge of the Bible. Okay. So like my mother 
she tried to argue with me about my decision to leave Christianity, but it's like, she, you know, she's, she's a mom. Okay. She knows her Bible. She reads it every day, but it's all just like encouragement, inspirational stuff. And the, the stuff that I was saying just was just going over her head. And, um, she's like, okay. And there's, there's, there's nothing that she could say that I, that she knew that I had already considered. And then my brother, my brother also tried arguing with me too. And, and, and he knew that was kind of like a hopeless <laughs> endeavor. So, and, and, and that's not to like to be egotistical, but it's like, if you're going to be changing your faith and you're going to be opening up to family members, you better have damn good reasons to, to show them why you're making this change. I don't think you, I don't think you have anything to prove them. Like you can change and that's, that's your choice. Like it's none of their business, but let's just step back here for a second and just think if I have a family member who is making a drastic life change, no matter what it is, I'm going to be generally concerned. Like what's, what's going on? Like what's, what's happening here. It's not that I'm trying to pry into their business and assume I know better than them. even though that might be the case for some people, but I'm generally curious to make sure they're not making some dumbass decision and that they thought about this. They thought it through. And I think that just shows that they love you. And I believe most family members uh, who are dealing with people who are going through deconstruction, I think that's what they honestly believe. Um, of course, that love can also be misguided quite a bit. And um, obviously, there's a bunch of horror stories that we, we hear with people who are deconstructing and, and open up their family members. And it's just awful. It's just awful. So, so you're, not, you're never going to win. If you have a family that can accept you for as you're going through this, then, then, then fantastic. Uh, if they keep on pressing you and you're not comfortable with those conversations, don't have them. You, you don't have to prove anything. But definitely understand why you're leaving and, and try to understand where you're headed. And get, have questions ready for those people too. It's like, well, why do you believe this? Or why do you believe this is the word of God? Or what is Jesus to you? And And hopefully they will have productive conversations like we're having today right now like between you and me yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i i i just think that 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 is such a it's going to become more and more uh necessary to see that modeled because i think that you know i was thinking about this yesterday as i was kind of you know listening to a couple different podcast episodes and thinking about how much resource there is now accessible to people who are at even a very young age. I remember being in, you know, youth group and, you know, Sunday school, that kind of like, you know, fifth to 10th grade period of life where really the only resource that I had, I mean, we kind of had the internet, but it was way less than it was. The podcasts weren't a thing. Uh, you know, social media wasn't a thing uh, at that point in time. And so, you know, for me, Brian McLaren, at, at that point in my life, right? Donald Miller, Brian McLaren, uh, uh, Shane Claiborne, you know, it was, it was, it was books, uh, that were exposing me to some different ideas. Now I think about you have, you know, you know, Kevin from Jesus Unfollower on TikTok, you know, 
12, 13 year olds are seeing that content and questioning things from a perspective of, you know, leaving faith that I just was never exposed to. I never even realized that was a thing. And so I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Kids at an even younger age going, I don't buy this. You know, I see, you know, uh, Abraham Piper and, you know, Kevin from Jesus Unfollower and Will from Heretical Theology and these other people who are making me question things at an e- even earlier stage. And I think modeling for that generation of deconverting or deconstructing Christian, a way to do that in a way that doesn't just totally, you know, divide and exclude is so important. Um, and there's no question there. I just really appreciate that you're having those conversations. Um, I'm really grateful for people who are, you know, you're talking to Joe Lumen, you're talking to people who land in a different place than you, but you can share common ground. Um, and I want to do that, you know, from someone who is not a person of faith. Uh, I still want to be able to participate in the conversation in a way that's productive. Um, I think that, um, no matter, I mean, hopefully (laughs) no matter who you are, uh, I think that we can all agree that like, Nope. Love to love nope. somebody is a good thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can agree. Um, sure. No matter, no matter what. Hopefully, uh, and uh, one of the one of the things about love, at least one of my understandings about love, is that it doesn't demand its own way. Right? It's gentle, it's patient, um, and it listens, and it doesn't demand its own way. Because I think that there's in any kind of belief system, you can have fundamentalists and fundamental, you can go into that and you become the angsty one. Right. And when you start doing that um, and you start demanding your, your own way, I don't think there's that much difference between that and a tyrant. Um, you know, I mean, that's just my opinion. I, I get that. Will, did you have something to say? I was just going to say, I, I, I agreed with his uh, last point there a hundred percent. Yeah. I think, I, I think that there is, there is a importance about like acknowledging that angsty phase and also like not making like acknowledging that that's a natural thing, you know? Um, For sure. because I think that that is oftentimes, uh, you know, sometimes I just get so pissed at straight people that I just fucking don't want them around anymore. And, and I get that that's wrong. Like I get that, like I shouldn't hate straight people, but it's a natural response to being treated, you know, and seeing people being treated poorly by straight people, you know? And so like acknowledging that, Hey, it's natural, but let's maybe move through that or past that. Um, anyway, I mean, so I, I I guess I got a question though too. So you know, he said that you know love, uh, lo- love isn't tyrannical. You know it, it doesn't. Uh, well, how how did you word that? I think he said he but like it wasn't like a dictatorship. Um, I was saying that when you don't demand, when you are demanding your own way, I say it's a it, there's not you're not too far off from being a tyrant. 
So I, I guess my, my question to you then, if, if, if I'm allowed to ask questions, yeah. Interview <laughs> would, us. Be, would be, um, you know, what, what's your opinion of Jesus uh, saying that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So when, when I hear that, um, and I mean, it's, I think Jesus is being fairly clear there that we need to emulate the way he lives um, at the very minimum. I, I think there was a lot stronger implications there as well, but I'm just kind of curious how, uh, how uh, you look at that verse. Um, well, with anything that is, you know, biblically related, I feel like there's an invitation, right? There's an invitation to everybody has free will and can choose whatever it is that they want to do. Um, when, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one can come through the Father except through me. I think he's making a statement about himself that says, you know, whatever, first of all, it's, it has to do with his, like, what the Bible defines as Messiah, right? And what is the role of the Messiah um, in terms of biblical context, right? So, like, the Messiah will, um, in the future, bring peace and... That was that was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> that was the first trouble. We're all fucked. <laughs> it's class time. Sorry about that. Um, that uh, that these are roles and these are things in which the Messiah fulfills. One of those being the king of the messianic era. You know what is defined as the kingdom of heaven on earth, and. Um, there is a mystical concept of the logos uh, that's found in the Bible. Also in Hebrew, it's called the Mimra. And uh, it's basically any, any way in which God, who is outside of time and infinite, interacts with the finite world slash universe, he's, he's doing it through the Mimra or Logos. And it's just a, when I think, when I, when Jesus is saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's basically identifying himself with the Logos. And I believe that's in John. And John's yeah. a mystic. And John writes that he's, John is a mystic. That's why he's so different than the other gospel writers, um, is that he uses a lot of mystical languages. This brings words. me. Brings me right back to like two hours ago while I was sitting in a, a heretical theology live stream. <laughs> it was like it was like right it like dovetailed right off of that conversation. It did, actually, uh, I think I think you know my my progressive mystic Christian. I don't hold on, I don't see it as a demand, right? To, to, so what, to, what happens? What happens if you don't listen to that that statement though? Or what are the consequences of saying I don't agree with that statement? Um, well, I think for one is, are you talking about like in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. Like what, what me, I'm also, I'm an atheist and yeah. <laughs> fortunately I don't believe Jesus actually said that. I, I think it's, I think it was all completely made up by, by the author, 
But presuming that, that Jesus did actually say that and presuming that he meant it and he wasn't lying and that is true, for me to reject that, say, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think this is bullshit. The consequences for me then would be hell. Am, 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 I, am I correct? Um, it depends on who you ask. I think that there I'm is... i you. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get real. Um, I don't think... When it comes to like the traditional Christian understanding of heaven and hell, um, there is a... I, I think that they... We tend to ignore things like what it says in Revelation where it's basically every person is judged by what they do, not what they believe, right? It's how you lived your life, you know, as a good person or a bad person, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it comes to, um, you know, this torment thing, um, I'm only, I, I don't know. Cause I've never been, I've never seen it. I haven't had these conversations. You've never died. But I've Gosh. never died. Um, but when it comes to death, um, that is, that's death, right? When, when you're dead, um, when you're dead, you're dead. Um, when you're alive, you're alive. So when it comes to eternal life, you have to be alive. Like you have to have a body, you have to have, you have to be breathing. Um, eternal life is not in this like heaven place. Does that make sense? (laughs) Ethereal corp, you know, corporal spirit, you know, whatever. That's not life. That's death. And so, um, in, uh, in Judaism, it talks about how there is a time period, um, of it's almost like a purification thing, almost like purgatory in a sense <laughs> that lasts for 12 months. And then, and then it's, and then it's over. And then there's like, and then you experience eternal life um, in the world to come. And then there is uh, the idea of death being like, if like of the baddest of bad, right. Then that person is what you said earlier, like nothing. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, annihilation. So annihilation. Yes. So I and, and that's I, I appreciate the nuance that that is that that you said that definitely deviates a lot from what we the bullshit that we hear from evangelical Christianity. I just I for me it's difficult for me to not look at the biblical text in any way. Um, whether it be as, as a Jew, as an atheist, as a Christian, evangelical or not, and, and see that God has a specific list of demands. They say, hey, you, you need to do this. You, you do that. Um, if you don't, then, okay, well, if you're Old Testament, you're, you're fucked. But if you're New Testament, you at least got Jesus. And if you at least worship him or if you have faith in him, um, then, then you're safe. And then you have this, then, then you can enter into this life. If you don't, you're, you're still fucked. And whether it be eternal hell and, and punishment or whether it just be death, like I, I would still much rather have heaven than just lights out personally. But yeah, I sure. 
I think I was I was thinking about this earlier is that like it's it's difficult uh, to not look of, at the at God and say you have two options burn or bow right and I I think that that is was never I don't believe that that was like ever the or should be ever the um the motivation right I think that there's a lot of people who think of heaven as some sort of fire insurance mm-hmm. um but that was that's never really the the emphasis like hell is not or and, and heaven heaven is not really mm-hmm. like like in terms of like the spiritual thing is not really emphasized and talked a lot about um like the kingdom of heaven is which is not the same thing um and the but what is the motivation is hope right it's 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 the world to come it's the it's hope that motivates not fear that motivates i, I so that's the way that i, I see th- it I in the scripture great. yeah um, I, I don't think that these demands are oh dude you're great i <laughs> i don't know if these i got all day i don't think the demands are like this or else kind of thing because i don't i don't think god's grace is limited by whether or not people follow god's laws you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i think that i think that i personally fail all the time you know i lie about stuff i you know i think poorly about people sometimes you know what i mean um josh is a total asshole i can (laughs) i definitely can be a total asshole um (laughs) but uh i don't lean on like my ability to perform right it's just about it is about grace and when i think when i look at the old testament i see grace and i see like a group of a culture of people the israelites making the choice to follow god right and if they mess up there's always grace in my opinion that's what i see anyway okay i'll be i'll be i'll behave yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I should know you're you're great. You don't have to finish. I I I think for me the Christian the the progressive Christian stance that I that I always took uh previous to just letting go of it because I thought it just felt like a lot of justification, but was that you know it, it that that verse of of there's no way to the father but through me was was kind of like well if if i love anyone that's jesus like if i if i if i if i partake in any divine experience whether it's love or fatherhood or giving gifts or caring for the poor or whatever then it's jesus. even if i even if i say i don't believe in any of it or i call it something else or whatever it to me it it it, it can be read through a universalist framework or lens to say you know i mean you can say you live on a flat earth but it's a globe like at the mm-hmm. end of the day like it doesn't matter what you say you are engaging in the divine experience of humanity that's why i was drawn very yeah. much to humanism you know mm-hmm. because it was like to 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 acknowledge christ is to acknowledge our own humanity uh i dropped the christ part just because it was problematic but uh, I think there's a there's a way to read it that says all goodness is Christ, and so if if 
if that is the the framework by which you're thinking about, then I mean it fleshes out. It makes sense. Uh, I think it's unnecessary, but yeah, I, I do see it more of that universalist perspective because I, I I think about like what uh, the writer and the um, it's not it's the non canonical Gospel of Thomas when he's talking about like when I see the tree when I look at the tree I see Jesus in it when I see the rock. You know, so it's it has this like universalist um, connotation to it. Yeah. So there's yeah. still hope for me. There's still hope for you. There's hope. There's always hope. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> hope for both of us. Uh, Will, uh, can you, you know, in in wrapping up because I I uh, know Josh needs to get back to his job. Uh, I don't have to get back to my job, but I probably should. Will's got a birthday to celebrate. He's oh, 20, 28, 29, 34, 36. <laughs> 36. All right. No, no, happy birthday, Will. Yeah, thanks, man. No, this is this is fun. And you know, this this is really saying something when you're when you're a freaking atheist and you're like talking about theology and your freaking birthday. Like this is <laughs> <laughs> no better way to celebrate. <laughs> no, um it's you know, I, I think, and and I know I was asking some tough questions there, so I was I I, I apologize for. <laughs> for hey, no, that's cool. There. No, I it's mean, fine. I but I um, mean, I could be completely wrong. Yeah, but um, that's fine. <laughs> no, it's I I just always encourage people to ask questions. Um, you know, as much as I would love people to be an atheist like myself, I understand that's not necessarily the case, and not even reasonable to even. Uh, want to recommend um but everyone's got to believe in something in, in some in some way shape or form i just ask that people remain skeptical and, and question why they believe what they believe yeah absolutely absolutely um can you tell our our listeners a little bit about you know best ways to get connected with you uh i know you know you obviously we've we've talked about the instagram quite a bit heretical theology uh, are there other projects you're working on? I know you've been doing a series of live interviews that are available probably on your IGTV or. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sticking so far just purely to Instagram. Um, I have no desire to go to YouTube or, or I mean, I have a Facebook page and pretty much whatever I post on Instagram goes to the Facebook page. I'm not very active on it, but if people want to share something pithy onto their Facebook page that I've posted on my Instagram. It's there. Okay. Uh, are you, are you, do you have any plans or anything in the works, uh, for things that people should be on the lookout for when's the podcast coming out? Uh, <laughs> uh no, I mean, again, I, I, you know, there, there's so many podcasts, uh, there, there's some amazing ones that, 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 that are out there, you know, and I, I just like doing the Instagram thing, you know, I do this all for free. This is, I just do it for what I want. I even look at the Patreon and it's just like, I just don't even want to do that. Like it's just a more weight on top of what. I'm already doing so it's I do this for me I do this for others it's all just purely on Instagram I, I like the community we have there and uh, it's pretty tame so I, I stick to IG all right all right fantastic so definitely go and follow uh, heretical theology on Instagram uh, we will go ahead and close out the episode do you have anything else will that you want to say Josh that you want to say before we get the no, it's been awesome Thanks for thanks for hanging out with us, Will. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, man, 
uh, we, we need we need to do this again sometime and actually do uh, maybe one for a few hours and just have a nice little back and forth. <laughs> I'm in. I would love it. I would just love to listen. I'll just sit back and I'll take Josh's role. I'll listen to 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 you and Josh talk. Uh, that would be fun for me. So uh, definitely, let's stay in touch and and do something more in the future. Sounds great, man. And we're back at their after podcast. Uh, I love it. Episode 13, 13, 13. Dude, the echo effects. I talked to somebody the other day. They're like, what is with the echo effects? And I'm like, well, we just started doing that. And uh, it's just a fun thing that uh, our producer likes to throw in there. We don't give them a lot of opportunities for other, other fun things. So. Watch, watch Cody not do it this time, and it's going to be me saying 13 like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, it's it's uh, idiot, idiot, idiot. It's analog, analog effects. Uh, we're actually recording this on a tape deck currently, so it's we're old school. Uh, Josh, we do have to make a note about Josh's audio. It's it's he sounds less sultry and wonderful than he usually does because he is doesn't have his big fancy microphone today i don't i'm using these uh these wireless these bluetooth um earbuds made by sony Mm -hmm. extra bass plug for sony use uh code thereafter podcast at checkout (laughs) it won't it won't get you anything zero percent off (laughs) this show brought to you by sony uh yeah. yeah they probably sound like poof no they don't sound great they don't sound great but we are so glad that uh you're here with us uh want to just uh thank everyone uh for listening and uh i don't think we talked about this in the intro we were going to but then we forgot so uh we'll talk about it now uh we have kicked around the idea we've we've tried to do every week of thereafter podcast uh, every Tuesday we've been trying to put out new episodes we have missed a week here and there uh, we took a short break during the holidays uh, but we have kicked around the idea of, of going to an every other week schedule uh, because we know we talk a lot uh, these are long episodes and yeah. we've talked to people who who feel like an hour and a half of Josh and I every week is maybe too much. <laughs> or maybe is it not enough? Maybe um, not enough. On well, that note, I was actually like listening to uh, what it was a uh, dirty rocking church kids, and he was talking I about love... you know what we're gonna go for three hours <laughs> before we bring in our guests. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I, that was on the latest episode. I yeah. loved that because I'm like I'm here for it. I mean, th- that's one of the podcast. So many of the podcasts that I listen to. Uh, I have just had a hard time keeping up with, but they are one. They're on an every other week model, uh, but they are one who who I love it. I listen to two and a half hours, no sweat every time they drop an episode. But I used to be a huge you made it weird uh, fan. I'm a huge fan still, but I used to I used to binge you made it weird every single week. Uh, and who man, Pete Holmes, he'd go three hours, three and a half hours on some of Dang. those episodes. And at that point in my life, I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, <laughs> give it to me. Now it's very difficult to uh, to keep up with something like that. But uh, Josh and Adrian. Guilty, like, 
if they're listening <laughs> to this episode, we love it. Talk for three hours. I'm a fan. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Do you ever feel guilty if you're like, man, I just, I, I listened to like, you know, 12 hours of podcast this week and I, I didn't read anything. <laughs> like I never read a book. <laughs> like maybe I should read a book sometime. <laughs> yeah. No, a hundred percent. And now with clubhouse clubhouse has me like for like 50% of my podcast time. So I'm on clubhouse, you know, at least three, five hours a week. Um, and that's really cut into my podcast time. I've got like 12 Audible credits. Audible's like, do you care about books anymore? We're going to keep charging your credit card. But uh, <laughs> Oh, you still have that? I'm going to take advantage of that. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I got I got your login. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you can just get whatever you want. I have a bunch of credits. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get some books. We have some great guests coming up. We really do uh, have a good lineup for you. Uh, but we think that spacing out every other week, it's weird, uh, to look at our analytics and, and see, it seems like when we are able to hit every week, our numbers are up a little bit. Uh, it seems like they drop a little bit when we miss a week. So, uh, we're not sure if people will lose interest. Are you going to forget about us? We don't want you to forget about us. That's really the the big thing. So no, what, don't forget. what it would open up though, is if we do every other week, then once we get a little bit more bandwidth, we could do our only fans episode on the off weeks. So, and then monetize this, this shit. So, uh, I'm really excited about getting our, we're skipping Patreon. This is, this is a DRCK, uh, call out to, uh, going straight to only fans. That's the platform of the future for podcasters, especially sexy ones like Josh and I. So, <laughs> um, we've reached the point in our show where oh, I talk man. about people who say nice things about us. We need a oh, jingle yeah. for that. Let's talk dun, dun, about dun, people dun, who dun, say dun. nice things about us. Say your things on the reviews, baby. Is that is that good? I think I like the first half. That was good. Okay, whatever. Uh, so yeah, you know what? all uh, of it was gold. All Pure of it was gold. solid gold. Uh, we, we do get iTunes reviews, Apple podcast reviews, and we like to shout out Becca, uh, left us a review that was glowing and we're grateful for it. Uh, if you would like to also be talked about for talking about how cool we are, you can go over to iTunes, Apple podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps the computer know how cool we are, which helps the computer system tell more people about us uh, and in turn makes us feel nice. So uh, head over to Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a quick rating and review, uh, at the very least a rating. I mean, that takes no time at all and still helps. Um, but sometimes I do, I see a new rating and then the reviews are always like, the rating shows up right away and the review is always like a few days because I think they like oh, quality right. check it to make sure it's not like racist or mean. Right. Or, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like... Eddie's a medic. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. So they they got to check it out. So sometimes I'll see a new rating and then like for like three days, I'm like looking back, I'm like, ooh, did they leave a review too? Did they leave a review too? And then sometimes <laughs> it pops up, sometimes it doesn't. So if you want to just screw with me, leave a rating, no review, and then I'll just be obsessing over it for, for days. That's my pitch. Uh, two with it. What you or just give them, Or just give it one star. I really am waiting for our first one star. I, I, 
or two star. I mean, we're all five star at this point, which like makes me feel a little uh, uneasy because I'm like, I know we're not five stars. You know, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. the five stars, but uh, you know, where's our three three and a halfs? You know, that's yeah, that's, that's more yeah. our speed. My self esteem, I it's just a two. I'll be so happy. <laughs> I just I just have a hard time believing it. You leave me five stars, I'm like, no, you're full of shit. Uh, anyway, that was the show. Uh, if you want to keep in touch with us, uh, leave us, uh, leave us, leave us an Instagram follow, (laughs) go to our Instagram and leave us, uh, follow us on Instagram. That's where we're most engaged online. You can message us through there. Uh, we are in the process still, uh, since we started this podcast of getting a website up and running, I've got it somewhat close to ready um so that'll be out soon and that'll be a good way where you can go and and send us a quick message and we'll have official email through there as well um and yeah. uh, uh haven't had anyone use it but we do have that speak pipe uh in our instagram bio click the link you can leave us an audio message uh and it'd be cool to hear from you as a listener um we'll probably do some calls for specific content from listeners at some point but uh we need more listeners first and we would love some questions. Uh, Cortland talked about getting some questions, uh, maybe for a potential Q&A episode in the future on the last episode. So, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely DM some questions, whatnot. can be about anything. Yeah, ask us things, and we will tell you our most uh, uneducated opinion about them. <laughs> Uh, or maybe they're personal questions about us. We'll, we'll field those too. Nothing is off limits. Ask away. So, uh, Josh, you got anything else before we wrap the show? Oh man. Um, do I have things? Oh, uh, if any, so I've been in, we've been in production at uh, the school I work at and, um, we've been doing, the Adams Family musical, and I just want to say I love the Adams Family. Dude, yeah, <laughs> like more. If you don't know, more people should know what the Adams Family is. The cartoon, uh, the dark humor. It's I just I just love that stuff. So anyway, plug for the Adams Family. Where can I stream <laughs> it? Where can I stream it, Josh? Working uh, like like the show, the movies, what? Yeah, uh, the uh, well, any of it. Oh, yeah. uh, just Google it. I'm sure you'll find it just, just fine. Just Google it. This episode brought to you by Just Google It. Use coupon code thereafter in Google. Yeah, man. One thing that I love, uh, so in the movies, you may not have noticed, but um, Angelica Houston plays the role of Morticia Adams, right? The, the wife in the movies in the early 90s. And the way that they lit her is they light just around the eyes and the rest of her is in darkness for the most part and they do it for every scene even in the scene in the second movie when she's on like the stretcher giving ready getting ready to have a baby <laughs> yeah. they still do it <laughs> it's awesome i love it i love it that's a great uh that's a great fact i'm gonna watch it and look out for that interesting and interesting uh camera lighting uh tidbit yeah anyway i just nerded out about it i'm i'm into it i'm into that thanks for listening to the thereafter (laughs) (laughs) come back for more tidbits about lighting in movies from the 90s uh 
yeah thank you thank you for listening so much we appreciate you listening to us ramble if you're still listening at this point you're a true fan and we're here for you we do this podcast for you specifically and you alone uh and we're so glad for you and uh want to know you so send us dms and introduce yourself uh that is it for us we will be back uh, hopefully next week, uh, unless we transition to the ever two week schedule. Uh, and in that case, we'll be back in two weeks, uh, with some more great conversations with people about, uh, life thereafter until then, uh, we hope that you are staying safe, enjoying your loved ones and, uh, just enjoying life, uh, in all of its beauties until then stay safe out there in the thereafter. <laughs>